Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. So jumping right in, this week I'm actually going to be talking about two comics. Um, Both of them are actually written by Ben Acker as well as Ben Blacker. They are also about characters or events around The Last Jedi and they were both released after The Last Jedi and in fact in the back of one of them it actually advertises next issue is the other one. So I'm going to be speaking about the comics Storms of Crate and the other one is DJ Most Wanted. Storms of Crate is basically the salty planet on Last Jedi where it's very nicely visual scenes where you get the uh, speeders going across and there's that red soil smoky stuff coming up and that's where uh, Luke and Kylo had their little fight thing well luke's hologram had the fight thing and dj most wanted dj is actually the code breaker and air quotes hacker in last jedi that helped rose and finn get on the superstar destroyer um he is the one with the stutter and is played by benicio del toro and in this one i'm basically going to talk about storms of crate first and then once i've kind of said what i want to say about that i'll then move on to dj most wanted so here we go so, as I've already stated, The Storms of Crate was written by both Ben Acker as well as Ben Blacker. Um, however, Storms of Crate has got the artist Mike Mayhew, who I believe drew it and also coloured it. The issue came out on the 27th of December 2017, which is only a week or so after Last Jedi came out. It's set between 0 and 1 ABY after the Battle of Yavin, so it's basically set between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. It centres around Leia, Han, Chewie and Luke, and it's about them basically escaping the Empire and trying to find a new rebel base. Now, any fans of the main Star Wars line of comics, which finished with the Empire Ascendant comic, um, as well as a crossover with Bounty Hunters and Dr. Aphra, that ran for about 75 issues. That then finished, and then the new Star Wars run, which I think is on about issue four, came out as well. Now, the reason I mention these is because the main Star Wars run, um, which was the first comic series to start after the new canon and that sort of thing, that's set between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. And it's basically just over the couple years, what Han, Leia, Chewie, and Luke all got up to between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. This comic fits within there. I looked online for the timeline and it's what it seems to be is it's before issue 56 of the main line, which is before book 12, which is book 12 is the 12th story arc within the series and is before volume 10. And obviously when the comics come out every arc or so is released as sort of an annual or a volume so this is basically set between volume 9 and 10 it's obviously where's issue 56 like before issue 56 of a 75 issue run it's about two-thirds or so through the series but it works as a one shot you don't need to read any of the other um, star wars comics or anything and it goes really nicely with the film last jedi Now, before getting to the content, I do just want to say a really big praise to Mike Mayhew, because I think Storms of Crate may have the best artwork, as in drawings within it, of maybe any Star Wars comic I've read. Now, I haven't read the Podamron series and the main line of Star Wars comics I picked up from issue 30. I'm going to buy the backlog and go into that at a future date. But apart from that, I've read pretty much all of them, or at least I own pretty much all of them. So I've seen relatively all of them in 
bits and pieces to some degree. But the artwork inside the comic itself, the drawings of Han, Leia, and Luke, their faces specifically, are done so well, it looks like a photo that someone's traced over. Now, that may have actually happened. I, I don't know. Mike Mayhew's uh, method. But I just want to say, with The Storms of Crate, where it's just a one-off comic, and it's a quite fun thing to go with Last Jedi, it, it's a generally a good comic. It's not one of the best one-shots, but the artwork itself is just amazing and I just want to tell everyone <laughs> about that basically. So just to reiterate what I said slightly earlier, Crate is a small salty mineral planet in the outer rim. We saw it in The Last Jedi. Um, it was the little ships that were escaping from the big cruiser that Holdo was in. Uh, Holdo is the lady with the purple hair. I'm trying to make this accessible for people who don't know everyone's names. So the lady with the purple hair in The Last Jedi called... Um, Vice Admiral Holdo, she got onto the ship, the Radis, and tried to kind of get all the little ships to hide and go off to crate. The first one obviously saw this happen because DJ basically ruined the plan when um, he got captured along with Finn and Rose. And so when they were getting shot, she went into hyperspace and shattered herself as hit all the first order fleet and things when that happened they obviously escaped to this planet crate which is the salty planet which has got a lot of red soil it's quite visually appealing uh the battle of crate and that's where kylo ren and luke had their sort of i say fight but it was when luke was a hologram so that's what crate is now, Crate did actually first appear in the Journey to the Last Jedi book, Prince Leia, Princess of Alderaan. Um, that's basically a, set, it's a story set around when Leia was about 16 years old, and it's basically when she found out that her dad, Bail Organa, was part of the Rebellion. That book was written by Claudia Gray. I haven't read it, but there's a book that I'm right near finishing now called Bloodline. It's about Leia between episodes six and seven, and that's written by Claudia Gray as well. So I highly recommend that book, which I may do an episode on some point further down the line. Who knows? I'll give a couple of basically bullet points about what the plot of this comic is. I will say that, as I said in the start, this isn't an amazing one-shot comic in the sense of, oh yeah, this is you need to read this to really appreciate it. There's, there's a couple of other one-shot comics which are really, really cool and definitely worth a read, but this one-shot comic, it is good. Um, it's got some really cool little moments in, and I would recommend it. And I said the art in it itself is absolutely fantastic. But there's got a little bit of Wedge Antilles in there, and who doesn't love a bit of Wedge? Uh, you've got the Scar Squadron sort of pop up in there. Anyone who reads the Star Wars comics will know who Scar Squadron is. I'll go into a little bit more detail about them later. And it is just interesting seeing the little troop essentially of Han Solo and Leia as well as Chewie all kind of interacting with themselves when they're not as comfortable with each other because obviously when you see them in New Hope that's when they first meet in Empire they'd already been associated with each other for a couple years and then you know Return of the Jedi six months after that so the fifth and sixth Star Wars films are quite close but there is quite a wide gap between episodes four and five so it's quite nice to kind of see that especially if you're not one who's reading all the Star Wars mainline comics. So basically just a couple of bullet points. It was after the Battle of Yavin, the Rebels have been fleeing the Empire, searching for a new base, and they keep finding temporary bases, and the Empire keeps tracking them, blah, blah, blah. So essentially, Mon Mothma and Leia basically are having a dispute, and essentially Leia says, look, I'll go find out. You don't have to worry about any more resources. I'll just take a couple of my favourites, essentially, because she takes Luke and Han, and they take one ship, and they basically just go, trying to find a few places. They mentioned a couple, just in a, in a sort of dialogue between them. They said no to all of them, and then they said about Crate. They're a bit uncertain, because they mentioned Trusk Berinato, and that person was 
an associate. He he knew Leia's father, Bail Organa, um, before, and Mon Mothma has some reservations about him. Leia says she's willing to give it a go, so they basically go off to this planet. I will just say that Mon Mothma is a very important character in Star Wars. She's not in the movies very much at all. She's in Rogue One a fair amount. Her and Bail have like a little conversation, and Mon Mothma also speaks to Jin Erso and basically kind of tells her what's been going on really with her dad and the Death Star, that sort of thing. And Mon Mothma is also, she's in the Clone Wars series a fair amount and in Star Wars Rebels a fair amount. She is the senator for the planet Shangri-La and that planet is heavily featured in the Aftermath trilogy which is set like within the year after Return of the Jedi finishes. I really recommend the Aftermath trilogy. I will be, I think, doing a an episode about the Aftermath trilogy at some point, um, but obviously this is mainly a comics, what it's called, you know, Star Wars Comics and Canon, so I'm trying to stick primarily to the comics. But yeah, Mon Mothma, Senator, she's very important. She was actually the first person to publicly speak out against Palpatine when he turned the Senate into the Galactic Empire, and she's always been working with Bail Organa to kind of push the rebellion forward, get it going. She's been helping it while trying to keep a public figure and things. So, in the normal films, she doesn't. She's not in it very much. But as I said, in the more expanded sort of canon, she's in it quite heavily. With all the works that I've read with Leia in it, she she's a close friend of Leia's. So in the aftermath trilogy, she's mentioned a few times. In the Bloodline book, she's in it quite a bit. And in these comics, whenever Leia has some sort of communication with the Rebellion. Mon Mothma's the person she speaks with. And just for clarity, if you're unsure who I'm speaking of, Mon Mothma is a red-headed or ginger-haired, uh, sort of tall, pale woman, and she wears quite a lot of white. That's more or less it. She's very so- softly spoken as well. So she is in uh, A New Hope. I believe she's the one who, uh, kind of at the start, gives a little bit of a brief presentation about the Death Star plans before the gentleman kind of pick- comes in and gives a bit more detail. So she is in the films. She's just not in it a huge, huge amount. Anyway, so on Crate, they basically get down there. They already knew the planet was inhospitable, uh, or inhabitable, rather. Inhospitable would come hand in hand with that, I suppose. But the planet's got some issues there. So they go down there. Leia speaks with this gentleman called Trusk Baronato. And Luke and Wedge basically scope the area. They come across like these kind of worm things that come out the floor with big teeth. And then Wedge is about to shoot one. And Luke says, like, don't shoot it. No, we've got these kind of things on Tatooine. You know, if you attack one, they're all going to come for you. And then it's worse. So just leave them to it. While that's happening, Leia is talking to Trusk. Um, Luke basically finds out about the, the, these salt storms which are happening on Crate, which is like a sandstorm, but of salt. So, you know, and basically Leia says to Trusk look I know you've got stormtroopers hidden I know you're working with the Empire this is your chance to not betray us do what my father believed you were capable of in the sense of being a good person and see where that goes and Trusk basically says that they're already on their way tough so they get betrayed Leia kind of you know already expected that sort of thing and this group of stormtroopers called Scar Squadron show up now Scar Squadron are heavily featured in these Star Wars comics the main run of comics I've mentioned and they're kind of a bit like the Bad Batch if you've been watching the new season of the Clone Wars. There's basically one that's really big and brutish. There's one that's a bit techie. There's the leader. And the leader does actually have a lightsaber as well. Um, I do not believe he's force sensitive. I think he, he just has it. I'm not quite sure how he got it. I should have looked it up before saying this. But yeah, Scar Squadron, basically a stormtrooper with a lightsaber leading a few other, in air quotes, elite stormtroopers. And they basically chasing down Han, Luke and Leia since A New Hope. So they show up, they all fight, and, you know, the heroes win. And, yeah, that's that's basically it without going into, like, reading verbatim all the text and things. And, essentially, while Leia's trying to talk to Trask, he pulls a gun 
and Han is basically there saying no don't shoot her and he's trying to kind of distract Trusk um, he's about to pull his firearm out and then Trusk shoots him in the shoulder Leia grabs a hand's gun shoots Trusk I think in the hand and then basically they leave then after at the end Leia and Mon Mothma talk Leia says it's a shame because I you know, really hoped he would turn good and then Mon Mothma says something like you know it's fine one of your best qualities is seeing the best in people keep at that uh leia says something nice about the people she's with um and also you know han taking a, a bullet essentially for a bullet taking like a laser shot for leia that's kind of showing in earlier stages of his feelings for her she makes like a joke about it earlier in the comic about him caring about her and he gets really defensive about it and that's more or less the comic i will say there's one other part in this which i quite like which is with wedge antilles and at one point wedge is they're fighting scar squadron and wedge gets one of the stormtroopers down and picks up this sheet of metal sort of thing i think it's from like a broken starship or something and he's basically screaming at a stormtrooper saying um you know who we are we're red squadron we blew up the death star and he's like smashing this stormtrooper's helmet in like while he's wearing it, he's like smashing his head in, and it's it's quite a cool scene because you've got the salt storm basically starting to pick up and it looks like it's raining obviously salt and you've got him standing there with a bit of blood on his face like screaming at the stormtrooper like bashing his head in and it's like jesus it's just a really cool little panel and as i said the artwork in this comic is one of the best that i've ever seen in the star wars comics so almost that little panel alone is almost worth it so it's just if you're a big wedge antilles fan which who isn't um then yeah it's just a really cool comic for him as i said that's more or less it for this comic this is one of the reasons i wanted to do a double feature because i do want to talk about certain one shots but a lot of the time one shots don't have enough proper depth to actually substantiate a whole episode but they do have lots of little tidbits and things that are quite interesting so i thought i just thought i'd sprinkle a bit of trivia and stuff like that around crate and that sort of thing and a little bit of information of what the rebels were doing between episodes four and five if you weren't already aware so that being said i'm going to now move on to the second comic which is dj most wanted now this was once again written by ben acker and ben blacker which i just find that funny that there's two guys called ben and one of them's surname is acker and the other one's surname is blacker it just it makes me google um but essentially those two are the writers um and i looked online and it's got five well i've got my comic here and it's got five people's names on the front which has normally got the writer the artist and the color or something like that this has five people so i'm going to read all the names out so as i said the two the two bens uh then you've got the penciler which is kev walker you've got the ink which is mark deering and then you've got the colorist which is java tartaglia this comic was released on january 31st 2018 it's set like within a day or so of the events of the last jedi the very last panel is a shot of the ship that rose and finn are on heading to the canto bite which is the casino in last jedi and so that's where it is on the timeline which is 34 years after the battle of yavin because you know force awakens and last jedi happen within days of each other so both of those are in the year 34 aby after the battle of yavin now looking online i couldn't actually find much cool information about dj that isn't directly in this comic because he's only in this comic and the film itself but one thing i found that's quite cool is dj is not his actual name but dj is actually short for don't join which is actually synonymous with his own sort of life motto which is he doesn't see the good or the bad he just thinks everything is this big gray area and obviously in last jedi he speaks with finn quite a lot about that when they're on the ship and they're speaking about you know oh what kind of you stole the ship finn saying to uh dj oh you know you stole the ship you're a bad person and he's like well you don't know let's see if this person's a good person or not and it's like oh he sells to the bad guys and there's pictures of tie fighters and things and then finn's kind of a bit smug and then he clicks to the next hologram and it's 
sending an X-Wing. And then it's like Finn's a bit taken aback by that. And DJ's like, look, there's no good or bad. It's just different people with different perspectives all fighting basically for the same thing. And in this comic, it really hits home with that because there's one of those inner monologues in the comic which I loved in the Darth Maul comic and I quite like it in stories about characters that aren't main ones because you get a lot more of a feel of what the character is actually like. I would actually quite like DJ to show up in other Star Wars content because I think he's actually quite a cool character and in this comic they did also keep his stutter so that's one of the ways to remember him in Last Jedi. He is played by Benicio Del Toro, he has a stutter and he's on Canto Bite. So Canto Bight is actually the sort of main city of the Cantonica planet. Canto Bight is the casino place that um, Finn and Rose go to. And one thing I found interesting, which is actually mentioned within this, is that the jurisdiction on Canto Bight actually favours the casinos. So that's quite an interesting part within this comic, which I'll get into a little bit more in a second. But it's just quite interesting having a casino. And obviously, a lot of Star Wars tries to sort of cleverly... or tries to be subtle sometimes to parallel real life and parallel some of the political discourse and things without actually taking a necessary political stance and in this one basically saying that money overrules morality is quite an interesting thing to have on essentially a city which is obviously all casinos relatively speaking so it's quite interesting in that regard and i thought i'd just throw it in there and now i'm just going to get into some of the story and things so as I said, uh, DJ does have an inner monologue throughout the whole of this comic, which I really liked. And the comic itself, I would say, is a pretty good comic. If you're only getting one of the two between this and the Storms of Crate, I would say the Storms of Crate has some more interesting moments in it. Um, and there's some quite cool scenes and the artist, the, the drawings and things within it, in my opinion, are better. But I would say that purely on the plot basis, the DJ one has a bit more to it because Storms of Crate is a bit predictable because obviously it's three characters set between four and five. They can't really do that much with them, you know, in one comic at least, because they wouldn't die or anything like that. So that's kind of why I'd say maybe plot-wise the DJ one's a bit more interesting, but obviously the plot is only adding to the character DJ, where Storms of Crate kind of adds to the everyone's favourite troop. So just thought I'd throw that in there before I say the story, but here it goes. So DJ is in the casino gambling. He's got this sort of bookie next to him that's a droid that's telling him, you know, if you do this, it's going to be 37% chance of failure. If you do this, it's going to be, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, DJ completely ignores him and basically does his own thing. He loses almost all of his chips quite quickly. And the droid's like, see what you're doing. The amount of money you lost was absolutely ridiculous. It's a huge amount of money. And DJ's like, oh, well. And he's like, oh, well, how much money do you have? And that kind of goes on a little bit. And then DJ, he gets a drink from a waitress and he tips her. And the droid's like, what? You just gave a third of your chips to this waitress. Why have you done that? You barely got any money left. And then he gives all of his chips except for one just to the dealer, who's a female Zabrak. Um, Zabrak is the species that Darth Maul is essentially, but I'm not going to get too deep into that. She, he gives that to her, and then he's only got one chip left. And the droid's like, well, you've only got one chip left, what are you doing? Then some detectives go over to DJ and basically tell the droid to move along and shove it, and they're quite rude to him and push him away and things. And they sit down and speak to DJ. Now, they speak to him and say that a saint as well as a gangster, have had money stolen. The saint is a woman who's giving water to sort of desert planets. And the gangster is a Rodian. And the reason I mention that is a Rodian is quite a common species in Star Wars. The most famous Rodian character is Greedo. Greedo being the one that Han shot in Mos Eisley Cantina in A New Hope with that notorious thing. Han shot first, Greedo shot first, and obviously Lucas keeps editing the film and changing it. But Rodian, it's a green, large-eyed little antenna on the top of their head, sort of humanoid creature. That's what this gangster was. So they basically had this money stolen by someone called Denel Strench. And 
when they start talking to DJ about these sort of things, the casino owner basically comes over and says, look, this guy's spending a lot of money here. Can you leave, please? You know, go away. And that's a part where DJ has is in a monologue says, jurisdictional counterbite favors the casinos. So if a casino owner tells the police, or detectives rather, to leave a casino, they will actually leave the casino, which is really bizarre, but it's quite a funny sort of parallel to life with, you know, rich people getting away with X, Y, Z. But anyway... It is then confirmed that DJ's inner thoughts show that he was actually cheating. The money that he, in air quotes, lost was basically coded to put a virus into the system just so he would then win. And the kind of way it works is the more money he puts in, the more money he gets out. Um, because, you know, obviously Star Wars or techie and holograms, all that kind of craziness, he just packs into the system by giving these chips that have got virus on and it makes him win constantly. So he does that and then he leaves the casino after getting quite a lot of money and things. The detectives come back and stop him. Then the casino owner comes out as well as hotel security for another place come out and they all kind of are talking and the casino owner's like, I know you did something and the detectives are like, Look, I want to talk to you about this stuff. And this hotel security from another casino slash hotel basically come over and they start threatening the detectives and the casino owner and saying, look, this guy's paid for our security. We're going to take him to our casino so he can spend money. He's a high roller. We're taking him. That's that. Casino owner basically goes, fine, deal with the problem, whatever. I'm not going to handle it anymore. I don't want some sort of big horrendous rivalry. And the detectives want to get back off. So he goes into this new casino he cons them like he did with the other ones and then the Rodian gangster that was mentioned earlier says that Denell Strench freed him and he goes up to DJ he's like threatening him and stuff and yeah he mentions that Denell Strench was the one who freed him DJ goes to leave and then the hotel security say that Denell Strench gave away DJ's con so DJ basically flees so he can basically get away and things and he gets caught by the Canto police so, because he says, well, if I get in a, in a monologue, he says, if I get caught by the police, I'm just going to get basically put in jail. If I get caught by the hotels that have caught me cheating, they get to dish out their own form of justice, which is heavily insinuated to be incredible violence. Uh, I think one of the hotel security guys even says about breaking all the bones in DJ's body and things. So he chooses to get arrested and just locked up instead of being killed, essentially. Now, while DJ's sort of fleeing and things and trying to work out what the hell's going on, um, it shows you where the droid that at the start was pushed away. He goes through DJ's things and finds the file on Donnell Strench, and he actually becomes this persona before being shot by the detectives. Now, this is the part where I say the plot is actually really interesting, and I wouldn't, I try not to spoil things when it's comics, but when it's a one-shot, it's quite hard to talk about plot when you can't, without spoiling it essentially so if you are really planning on reading uh, dj most wanted it was still really enjoyable but this is the sort of little air quotes twist so just warning you before i go any further essentially Danell strench is a character that dj created he's not an actual person it's a persona he's created and he bl- he manages to con his way and blame a lot of the things on Donnell Strench. He, that's why the detectives speak to him at the start, because when he stole the money from the Rodian gangster, and when he stole the money from this saint woman, it was actually through the guise of Donnell Strench, so that all of the heat, essentially, would go to this illustrious gangster character who no one really knows about but the detectives the entire time were speaking to dj are saying look how easy it is for us to find you what would Danelle strench do if he found you you're the only person who's not dead who's still known to have worked for him what do you think that means he's going to come and get you blah 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 and obviously the whole time dj knows that he created the character so nothing bad can happen because he created the character but then all these weird things start to happen and it turns out that the droid 
as I said, went into DJ staff, picked up like the file essentially of Danelle Strange and embodied that character and became that character in some odd way. They do kind of dismiss it off quite quickly, which is quite odd. I wanted to hear a bit more about it, but he essentially became this character. And when he was this character, he was the one who told both casino owners that DJ was conning them. He was the one that has been tipping people off and things like that and why DJ's luck keeps sort of running out in air quotes. And that basically explains how he got found out because DJ is like, well, how did anyone know I was doing these things? And that explains it. So the comic ends with DJ being locked up and him saying, there's always a way out. Just be patient. It's better to be here waiting and things so I can get out eventually. You know, I think he says the words he uses exactly are, all I want to do is spend a week at Zord's Spa and Bathhouse, but any port in a storm. So obviously things are going wrong, just find somewhere where it's less bad and you'll be okay. It ends with him saying, you know, there's no saints, there's no good or bad people, that sort of thing, and that's a very common theme in this. And as I said, it ends with uh, seeing Finn and Rose's ship going towards the planet. And that's basically the DJ comic. Uh, As I said, the DJ comic is really good. Um, The art in it is, I would say, not as strong as the art is in Storms of Crate, but I would say the plot is arguably better. Um, Both the comics are fun to read. They're only one-shots and they're not terrible. They are, as I said, they are good. They are enjoyable comics. And they're they're fairly big-ish comics. The Storms of Crate one's around 40 pages. I think the DJ one's about 30. And it is a fun read, especially if you are a fan of The Last Jedi. I am a fan of The Last Jedi. I'm a fan of pretty much all the Star Wars films, I'd say some more than others i would definitely not say last jedi is the strongest of the sequels but i'm not going to go into this sort of discussion of my thoughts on all these things but i would say that if you are a fan of the sequel trilogy or if you just want to hear more information about last jedi and everything i've said here isn't enough the three comics which are the best ones would be the captain phasma comic that i reviewed last week the storms of crate comic and the dj comic because they all fit very nicely with the last jedi Obviously, there's other content that fits with The Last Jedi. There's the Journey to Last Jedi set of books and comics, which the Captain Phasma books within that. And the Leah Princess of Alderaan book is also part of that Journey to the Last Jedi thing. So a lot of these things are kind of add more information and pieces to some of the sets and stuff that are within Last Jedi. And I think that's more or less where I'm going to end it, guys. Um, thanks always for listening. I really appreciate you guys uh, checking this out. Be sure to check out all the other amazing shows on the Comics in Motion channel. As I said, there's you know Indie Comics Spotlight with Tony Farina and the episode which just recently came out about the second coming. I'm actually on it, so huzzah collaboration uh we talk about the second coming it's an absolutely incredible comic it's about what if jesus came back today and there's also a character in it called starman who's basically superman and there's just a lot of really interesting stuff about religion in there and i i myself am an atheist but i do find religion very interesting especially christianity and catholicism and it's a really really cool comic talking about how the old and new testaments are quite different really really subtly in a way of God is one way, Jesus is another, and them kind of being the way they are kind of showed how the Bible was written and all that sort of stuff. It it sounds very religious-y. You don't have to know a lot about religion to enjoy it. Um, In fact, it will probably help you learn more about religion. But I just want to say, check out that um, because obviously I'm in it, self-promotion, huzzah. But it is also, Indie Comic Spotlight is amazing, so go check that out. Obviously, there's also Mandatory Marvel and DC by Max Byrne, as well as the flagship podcast, Comics in Motion, so check all those lovely people out. Next week's episode of Star Wars Comics in Canon, I believe I'm going to be doing the Star Wars Allegiance comic. That is in the Journey to the Rise of Skywalker uh, set of comics and stuff, so as you can see, I've basically been doing the Journey to comics and things. Then after that, I'm working out what I'm going to do next, because I don't want to just purely do all the comics around with the sequels and all the newer films as well, but there isn't quite as much content for some of the older stuff. There are 
comics and things like that for some of the prequel stuff and, the, and obviously that the mainline comics are all about the original trilogy but i'm trying to kind of do it in some vagueish order <laughs> i think maybe so i'm going to do the star wars allegiance next week unless things, something massive changes and then i was thinking about doing the comics associated with rogue one and solo uh, and then after that, I made sort of jump back a bit and do the Obi-Wan and Anakin comic because that's really cool. Well, it's a graphic novel because it's a few runs. It's a mini series. And that's actually set before Attack of the Clones. So it was after Phantom Menace. It was when Obi-Wan has Anakin as a quite young Padawan learner. And I believe it's when they go on their first proper mission together. So probably be doing that in a few weeks time as well. But as I say, you guys, uh, I really appreciate you listening. Please contact me on email starwarscomicsincanon at outlook.com or find me on social media at Genuine Chits Chat on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Contact me if any of you guys have any specific requests with the comics or anything like that. Let me know. I'm not promising I'll do it next week or anything, but I'd say if there are any requests for a comic that hasn't maybe I haven't thought of doing as of yet, I'd be more than happy to kind of put that forward, think about it and maybe do it in a future episode and stuff. So always, you know, reach out. If there's any questions you have about any of these sort of stuff, you're more than welcome to ask me. But yeah, just appreciate you guys listening. I hope you have a great week. I hope you guys all stay safe in things and may the force be with you. This is Acast Recommends. Every week we pick one of our favorite shows and this is one we think you're going to love. Why did Sasha Baron Cohen get chased by the Secret Service? What made Sarah Silverman stand by her friend Louis C.K.? How did Mindy Kaling miss out on SNL? I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and on The Last Laugh, comedians reveal how they're staying funny in a world that's falling apart. As long as I'm laughing, I laugh at the things I say or anyone else. (laughs) I just like laughing. Next up, how everything changed for Nick Offerman when he became Ron Swanson on Parks and Rec. Life was like, oh, by the way, things are... (laughs) gonna get way more super crazy acast is home to the biggest podcast from the u.s and around the world subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via acast or wherever you get your podcasts